Welcome to the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Saturday morning, week five of college football. This is our week five preview and predictions episode, so thank you for joining us. And just like every Saturday, we're going to sit down and break down the top roughly about four games of the week and just let you know how the action is going to shake up, give you an idea of what, you, what to expect throughout the day, let you know what times the big games are coming on, what channels, that type of that type of stuff. So that way you can be informed walking into the, I would say, the biggest week of college football so far with the different type of matchups we got going on. We got three top 15 matchups and two top 10 matchups. So this week has the potential to really shake up the landscape for how the year is really just going to play out and how it's going to look. Later on in the next couple weeks when the college football playoff predictions, or not predictions, but uh, rankings come out. The first one should be coming out here in the next, I'd say about, I think it's four or five weeks. They get closer to the, more closer to the end of the season with about four weeks left is when you start seeing those come out. But obviously we know that these early season matchups can have a, have implications when it comes to that, those predictions and those rankings later on down the line. But we're getting close to that type of stuff. We're already in some teams, this is their fifth game and some teams even sixth game if they played in week zero. So just, uh, it's really starting to starting to heat up. We're starting to see how teams are really starting to shake out what they really got. We're starting to see which ones are the, the contenders and not the, not the fakers and just, Really seeing which teams are going to stand out later on for for the college football playoff and for the conference championships later on during the year. But with that said, going to break down the first game that we're going to look at. We're going to look at Baylor versus Oklahoma State, number 21 versus number 19. And this is going to be at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. So number 21, Baylor, they're 4-0. And number 19, Oklahoma State, they're four and oh as well oklahoma state is favored to win this game by three and a half three and a half point favorite so this game you got two teams that a lot of a lot of people a lot of commentators just a lot of uh reporters didn't think we're going to come out the way they have this year a lot of teams thought baylor after the type of season they had last year was going to struggle they went two and seven last year under first year dave aranda after Matt Rule walked out to go coach the Carolina Panthers, and a lot of people thought they would struggle after last year. They did lose a lot of talent going from that 2019 uh, team to the 2020 team. But Oklahoma State, you know, they had everybody thought they'd be, a, I'd say, about middle of the pack team, but they've looked pretty decent. And I think a lot of that comes down to just the, the job that Mike Gundy's done getting his offense to be a two headed monster. They're able to run the ball, able to throw the ball, and their defenses look better than. I would say than they have in the last couple of years, so that's definitely helped as well. But looking at this game, I'm not going to take too much time on this game because of the implications that the other three games that we're going to talk about have, because those are really the the staple games of the week, ones that I really feel like are going to shake up the landscape depending on how they go. But this game obviously still has some implications because it is a you're looking at a big 12 matchup one that can have some implications in that but it's also two teams that are looking to trying to get ahead of the pack and trying to show that they can contend later on during the year and actually maybe be able to get to either to a new year six bowl or i mean obviously if you keep winning you got a shot at the playoff later on but now i think that's looking ahead for these two teams but these are two teams that are farther ahead than where we thought they would be at this point in the season but just looking at them baylor their defense has performed well this year they've done a better job than Obviously, than a lot have thought. Their offense is still kind of middle of the road. 
Stunning to see some see how they do in some better situations when the game gets tight. Can't can't really stall. They played Iowa State last week and upset Iowa State, and that's really why they jumped to the spot they're at at number twenty one. They end up beating them thirty one to twenty nine. They did a good job of slowing down Brock Purdy in that offense and. Just, I mean, Iowa State obviously hasn't been as good as a lot of people thought they would be this year as well. But Baylor did a good job of capitalizing on that and then going in and taking care of business. And they walk out of there 4-0 and and they're sitting in the top 25. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. But that's why I was talking about in that game, their offense kind of kind of lingered at some points where they really should have kept rolling. But overall, they did a good job, got out of there. But I'm more impressed with their defense. Obviously, with Dave Aranda, he was a defensive coordinator at LSU before he came to, to hear it. Uh, Baylor, and he's done a good job. Just in the short amount of time, he's going from two and seven to what he's you know four and zero this year. And a lot, obviously, last year had a lot of outlying factors with the pandemic and that type of stuff with just games being you know condensed schedule, all that type of stuff. So last year was definitely tough, but he's done a good job. His defense is performing a lot better. I feel like that's a big big part of their turnaround. So for them in this game for Baylor, if they're going to if they're going to upset Oklahoma State, and they obviously have to go to Stillwater and play this game, so it's definitely going to be tough. But like I always say, and like a lot of people always say, defense travels best, better than the offense. So for them, that's the good news. But their offense is going to have to really be able to to score some if they're going to win this game because we know Oklahoma State has that two-headed monster. And with their with their quarterback, if he can get hot, then he'll obviously he'll obviously be able to keep their offense moving and be able to convert on third downs where they need to. But Spencer Sanders has just done a really good job of getting hot when he has gotten hot. The offense has just been explosive. But just looking at some of the games, though, they had that close win against Boise State a couple weeks ago. And for them, they can't really have those moments where they get in those close matchups because if you get in that type of close matchup this week with Baylor, Baylor's going to be right where they want to be in this matchup, and they're going to be able to stay around. If they can keep the game close, Baylor, honestly, the longer they stay around, feels like they have a chance to win. And that's exactly what happened for them with Iowa State. But if you're Oklahoma State, if if Sanders is really clicking, they're going to be tough to beat, especially at Stillwater with what that crowd is going to is going to bring. But for me, it's just going to come down to, like I said, to that defensive matchup between uh, that Oklahoma State offense and that Baylor defense. And if Baylor can get stops on third down, they'll give them, you know, they'll give themselves a, the best opportunity to win this game. And I really like that because they have a really solid run run game. And uh, obviously with their backfield that they have and their defense as well. So for me, this game, I think it's going to go to Baylor. I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than what a lot of people expect. It's going to be a late game atmosphere. And I don't know, just something about it, the way the way Baylor's rush offense has been. I think Oklahoma State's going to struggle to slow that down. But I think... Obviously, with Oklahoma State being at home, they'll be able to score a little bit. So I think Oklahoma State will score, but I think Baylor ends up winning this game 38-27. to Baylor's offense has been able to put up points, even against that Iowa State. That's the Iowa State uh, defense that they played last week, even though, like I talked about, they kind of lingered a little bit and they got to be a little bit better in some aspects, especially going to Stillwater. They still put up 31 points. So I know that's kind of being nitpicky. But if you like I said, going in that type of atmosphere, you got to be able to score. And I think with their way, they're able to run the ball, and their pass offense has been very efficient. So for them, those are two good things that you want going on the road against 
a team that is ranked higher than you, so you're looking to pull the upset. That's that's kind of what you want right there. So for Baylor, I I got Baylor winning this game, 38 to 27. Like I said, that game's at seven o'clock on ESPN two. Should be a good one if you like that that type of. Uh, if you like Big 12 football and like that type of atmosphere. So that ought to be a good one. But moving on from there, next game we're going to talk about got number seven, Cincinnati Bearcats at number nine, Notre Dame. Both teams undefeated. Cincinnati's 3-0. and Notre Dame is 4-0. and Last time I checked, Cincinnati was favored to win this game by a single point. So you can kind of tell what type of game this is going to be like. Both teams got good defenses. Both teams got decent offenses, got solid offenses. So for this game, you're going to have to look at just, I would say, big plays you are going to come down to it. But obviously, I think it's going to be which team can really get after the quarterback. Both teams had solid quarterbacks. And so I really feel like whichever team can really get in the backfield. And if you're Cincinnati, you're, you really don't like where you've sat at this season with only four sacks with three games in. And if you're Notre Dame, you like how you've been because your defensive front's been very good. You've, your, your backfield's been very good as well, being able to cover cover wide receivers. And I think that's a big part of why Notre Dame has been able to win the games they have. So uh, before I kind of get down into more of how the how it's been, like breaking down this game, going to look at Notre Dame last week and something that they got to watch for this week. They played Wisconsin last week. Obviously, it was a big matchup. If you go back to my last week's podcast, we're talking about the week four preview and predictions. I talked about how big of a deal it was for them to win that game because Notre Dame, they don't play in a conference. And when you play as an independent, every single week is important. And that's no different this week because... If you win this game as an as Notre Dame, you're sitting really pretty. Looking at the rest of your schedule, obviously you got some teams you still got to watch for. You got to watch for upsets, that type of stuff. But this really puts you in a good position because you probably go from nine to probably sitting at about six, and you're sitting right there on the outside, possibly even five, depending on how the rest of this stuff goes this week. And you're sitting right there on the outside. You're looking in. You're in that the outside two looking into that college football playoff later on during the year. But the way that Oklahoma has looked and the way some of these other top teams have looked, like Oregon struggling against Arizona last week, you see how they've looked against some of these other teams. And you can see outside, I would say, about the top two spots, anything could happen. And so if you're Notre Dame and you're sitting at six, you really like your your chances of potentially moving up and getting into one of those top four spots, obviously with barring any slip-ups. Like I said, this week's got really big implications, but the same can be said for Cincinnati because you're sitting at seven. You really haven't played anybody this year, and then, bam, you got Notre Dame on your schedule who's sitting at 4-0, who's looked who's looked decent so far this year, who's been able to just win games and been able to finish games when they've needed to. And so Cincinnati, you you really have to win this game because looking at the rest of the way, you're playing in the American Conference. You have nobody else on that schedule who's really going to, one, challenge you, but also give you any brownie points you need to be able to move farther up the farther up the rankings. And so you're really just going to be sitting back and hoping that other teams really screw up later on during the year and drop a couple games. So, and like I said, when you don't have those that that type of schedule, you really have to win matchups like this when you play them. So for them, this is a huge matchup that they have to go in and take care of business. And for Cincinnati, you're looking at it right now, you you probably feel pretty good cuz looking on the other side of the field, like I said, you they hadn't been able to really get in the backfield only having four sacks in the first three games. But you look at who they're having to play 
And you see last week that Jack Cohn got got a little banged up in that second half against Wisconsin, and now they're saying that he's supposed to play this week. But how how ready is he to go? I mean, is he at a hundred percent? Is he at ninety percent? You don't know what he's what he's got. So it's still it's still an important factor that Notre Dame also has to look at as well. How how much is he going to be able to do? But like I said, for Notre Dame, you do feel pretty good knowing that they haven't gotten into the backfield. The offensive line's been kind of a shaky question for Notre Dame this year. They did a pretty decent job last week against Wisconsin, so they're going to have to do the same thing, keep Jack Cohn on his feet. If not, you're looking at that third string having to come in after they had a little bit of an injury to the second string as well. So looking at how that goes, you're no, if you're Notre Dame, it, you're liking that and being able to keep Jack Cohn on his feet, and that's going to be a big thing to watch for in this week's game when it comes down to that. But going on the other side to the to Cincinnati's offense, they like how they're – how Desmond Ritter's played obviously this year, but for him in this game, they're going to be able to have to hit some of the big shots down the field to be able to to be in this game and win this game. You're going into Notre Dame and you're going into that type of environment. Like I've said, like I said, talking about the Baylor Oklahoma State game, defense travels, so you know Cincinnati's got a decent defense. But is your offense going to be able to hit the big plays that they need to against the type of defense that they're going to play against in Notre Dame? Notre Dame's backfield is very, very good. They've, they force teams into a lot of mistakes. They force teams into a lot of interceptions. We saw that last week they, where they, they got Graham Mertz to throw four, four interceptions last week. So they've done a good job at, at the turnover differential Notre Dame has. So if you're Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter have, really has to take care of the ball. But at the same time, though, you have to be able to hit big plays when they're available. So uh, that's a very that's a very tough balance, especially when you're on the road because you know you want to hit that big play, silence the crowd. But you also have to hit it if you're going to keep Notre Dame on their heels because their front line is good as well. So you're, you may not have as much success running the ball as well. So. For Cincinnati, I kind of feel like this is this is going to be tough for them to really win this game, and that's why I got Notre Dame winning this 27-21. But like I said, I think the biggest thing it's going to come down to is if Cincinnati can hit the big plays down the field, but it's also going to come down to if Jack Cohn is going to be at a level of play that is going to help the Irish be able to win this game. And if he is, I really like their chances because of them not being able to get in the backfield. And also, like I said, question is, can Cincinnati hit the big play? That's the thing to watch for. And if Cincinnati can, then they're in business and they can obviously win this game against Notre Dame. And it'd be a huge for their season because like I said, whoever wins is going to be sitting right on the outside and, going to be a favorite I feel like on a lot of people's eyes bar you know because of the type of way that it's been and that the type of shakeup that there's been outside of the top two spots this year so for th- these two teams it's really important to win this game and put yourself in a good position going into the second half of the season so but like I said I got Notre Dame winning this 27-21 this game is at 2:30 p.m. eastern time on NBC so obviously going to be on national television just like all of Notre Dame's big games are on NBC so definitely going to be a good one to see during the middle part of the day but it's kind of a weird time frame to put it at because you look at this week and the night slot is really open when you look at how stuff is going it feels like the top part of this week is just really heavy because you look at you got Georgia and Arkansas number two versus number eight at noon i'll get into that when we get into that. that's just terrible scheduling on espn's part and then you got alabama Ole miss which we're about to talk about at 3 30 so notre dame the nbc decides to put notre dame and cincinnati right at that 230 spot that, to me that makes no sense whatsoever 
I mean, it may not even been the, them two, you know, NBC and all that scheduling those types that that time frame, but just right in the middle between both of those, I feel like the ratings are really going to take a hit because I feel like the other two matchups are even bigger in people's eyes, and because it's you know just because of how it is with those two with the two matchups that that are happening there, they're so big. Uh, I feel like it was definitely a missed opportunity instead of putting that at probably I'd say a seven or seven thirty time slot. So, but that's just me. I'll get into more of that when we get to the Georgia Arkansas game. But anyways, moving on, we're looking at number twelve Ole Miss. They're three and zero versus number one Alabama four and zero. Alabama last time I looked at it was a fourteen and a half point favorite to win this game. Obviously, like I just said, this game is at three thirty on CBS, the SEC game of the week for by the CBS crew. Don't know how that happened, but with the the bigger matchup between Georgia and Arkansas, but obviously this is a big one as well. I think it's the second biggest matchup of the week because of. Two reasons. One, obviously, if you're Ole Miss, you have the firepower to win this game and go into Tuscaloosa and come out with an upset. And on the flip side, Alabama has a chance to cement their spot at number one if they can win this. Because looking at this matchup for Alabama, this is probably the toughest matchup they have left on their schedule. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to play some tough games the rest of the way. Same thing for Ole Miss. Is both, I would say both teams' toughest toughest game left on their schedule but looking down the road who else they'd have to play they got to play Arkansas obviously we know Arkansas has been good this year they got Auburn they got LSU so I mean there's still some matchups that obviously they got to watch out for but I feel like if they can either whichever team gets past this is really going to feel good about themselves going into like I said the second half of this season um but looking at this game we are we know both this is going to be a high scoring game I don't care what anyone says I don't trust at this point, I don't trust Alabama's defense enough to be able to slow down this type of offense. And because, I mean, you look at it, I go by the eye test big time. That's why my rankings change like they do. That's why I I pick the way I do. I just go by the eye test. And Alabama's defense obviously has the players to be able to have a good type of defense. I don't know if it's the... Uh, I don't know if it's who they have at the defensive coordinator there. I don't know what it is, but ever since the Jeremy Pruitt, the Kirby Smart left, those two guys, their defense just hasn't been the same. They haven't been able to 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 be able to get that Alabama defense up to the type of level that we've been accustomed to them playing. And I think that was kind of evident when they played Florida, and Florida was able to gash them that a whole second half was just able to to out physical them in the trenches, be able to get that push against that defensive line, and just their their passing defense hasn't been the greatest yet this year. And I know they haven't really played anyone who's really tested them in the passing game as well. But I mean, they're still they're playing teams like Mercer, they're playing teams like Southern Miss, and they're still giving up you know two touchdowns a game. And I know that's not bad, obviously. Like I said, this is nitpicking stuff. Obviously, they're the number one team in the country. But when you're getting ready to play a team with the type of offense that Ole Miss has, it can be concerning on the outside looking in. And that's, for me, the biggest part of this game. As you're going up against an Ole Miss offense that is under a veteran quarterback like Matt Corral with a offensive genius with Lane Kiffin, it is a really bad matchup if you're Alabama looking at this. I know a lot of people have pinpointed this game as, oh, Alabama is just going to cakewalk this game. No, they are not. And I do not understand one reason reasoning where that is coming from whatsoever. Alabama has looked good this year. I still have them at number one in my rankings. But if you have looked at Ole Miss, there's a reason they're sitting at number 12 now. Their defense is very much improved. 
and their offense is probably top three in the country in what they do. And it's not just from that running that I mean just from that passing attack that they have with Matt Crow. It's also that running game. They've been able to dominate every single team they play. And I know a lot of people are saying they haven't played anybody. I'm sorry. No, not Alabama really hasn't either. Outside of that Florida game, which they really struggled with, they haven't they haven't played anybody. That Miami game now looks absolutely terrible. With Miami being two and three, and, and the only two wins coming against very very inferior opponents, that win basically goes out the window. And like I said, the only team you played was really Florida, and they gashed your they gashed your whole entire defense that whole game. And the other two times when you played Mercer and Southern Miss, they've been able to get yardage against you and been able to score two touchdowns apiece against you. So I just for for Alabama, this is a game that I really feel like for them, they really I've got them on upset alert this week. And so you can kind of see which way I'm leaning with this, you know, with this matchup, and I'll give you my full score breakdown here in a second. But for this game, it's really gonna come down, I feel like, whichever team's offense has the ball as type type of game. And the reason being is, too, you look at how Alabama's offense has done this year as well. Bryce Young has been phenomenal. He's looked good. They've got the receivers between Mechie and Jamison Williams. They got the they got the offensive talent there. But for them, they've hit some snags occasionally, especially when they played against a defense that had somewhat of a pulse like Florida. They had where their offense really couldn't get off the ground after that first quarter. And so I know – people are wondering why you keep saying the Florida game that was two weeks ago it's because it's the only team that they've really had that they've played this year that's really had a pulse to them and they struggled in that game and they looked vulnerable and you're about to play an offense that has the caliber to tear you up just like Florida did but this offense is I think two times better than what Florida is as well and you're also about to play a defense that finally has a pulse as well none of the other three teams defenses have been worth anything this Ole Miss defense is very much improved they've been able to play in the backfield a little bit, and I know they haven't played anybody as well. They their best team that they probably played all year has been Louisville, but their offense is it's not like just their offense is just you know all right four hundred yards they've looked good you know halfway decent they've been able to move the ball. No, this offense is getting like six hundred yards in some games. They're putting up points in the sixties easily. Like it, it's just it's been evident through the eye test. They're ready to play this game. And we all know Lane Kiffin's ready to go after his former boss and Nick Saban. So this is a going to be a big game for the SEC West. This is also going to be a big game nationally because if Ole Miss can end up pulling off his upset, obviously they move up into the top ten, and that's going to be huge for them the rest of the way because, like I said, probably their toughest test after this is going to be Arkansas. And if they can win that game too and you like their chances, if they can beat Alabama, they got a good shot of possibly running the West. And that's, you know, with that type of offense, you got a shot of looking like a – 2019 LSU type deal. I know that's a, a bold prediction, but that's the type of quarterback that they have with Matt Corral, and they're just the whole offenses look great under Lane Kiffin. So uh, they're not really going to see a defense that's really, I feel like, is going to challenge them other than Arkansas. So that's why I said that's probably their next biggest matchup outside of this one. So if you're Ole Miss, you really like your chances if you can pull this upset off. But if you're Alabama, this is your obviously your biggest test the rest of the way in the West. You can win this. You probably got a good shot of walking into Atlanta untouched, uh, barring a you know a, a slip up and you know you get upset one week. I don't really see that happening outside of this game for myself. But in this one, I really feel like Ole Miss has just got all the pieces to really compete against Bama this week and really you know 
really shocked the world and this I wouldn't really say it's much of a shock if you've actually watched how they've played and considering last year no one wants to talk about like everyone keeps saying Bama by almost by 14 and a half is what the last one was by 15 points I just don't see how they get two touchdowns ahead against this Ole Miss team because even if Bama scored I just expect Ole Miss just to go down the field and score as well I mean that's just the type of offense they're being able to play and that's what happened last year Bama ended up walking out of that game with a 63 to 48 win but people don't act like that game wasn't super super close the whole entire way with Ole Miss having opportunities to really pull ahead at some point until they had obviously mistakes that happened that ended up costing them that game but I mean that was 15 that was 15 points last year that's last year this Ole Miss team is better than last year and this Bama team is not as good as last year and so I really feel like this game is going to be really close whichever team has the ball last I feel like has the probably the best shot to win this but for me I just feel like Ole Miss has got just a little bit more I feel like they're gonna they're just going to on offense I feel like they got a little bit more this is going to be it's really going to be up to this Bama defense if they're going to be able to slow down this Ole Miss attack and if they can you know Every, you know, th- two or three drives be able to shut them down. I mean, probably by every other drive, shut the shut the Ole Miss offense down and keep their offense, Alabama's offense on the field. They got a good shot of really taking over this game and having control throughout the game. But I just don't really see that happening. And I, so for me, I got Ole Miss winning this game 45-35. to 35. I got them by 10 points. I know that's a big difference. That's a 25-point swing from what the favorite is right now. So... I know that's a bold prediction, but that's the way I'm really leaning right now. Hopefully that that pickle that pickle play out in my favor because I've been had a rough week last week, so looking to have a better week this week. So some bold predictions this week, but like I said, that game's at 3:30 on CBS. Big time game, a lot of implications there. So looking to see how that turns out. But for me, biggest matchup of the week. Biggest matchup of the week for a lot of people. Got college game day there this week, so a lot of people are going to be there. But it's number eight Arkansas four and zero versus number two Georgia four and zero as well. Georgia is an eighteen and a half point favorite in this this game is at twelve p.m. on ESPN. And don't get me started about this. Well, I don't understand this at all. Even before the scheduling came out, before the, before this game, I figured you, when well Arkansas was already ranked when this game schedule came came out. And they still had it slated as a 12 o'clock game. This is like almost two weeks ago at this point when this came out. And you're sitting here. They had just beat Texas. They, you know, sneak in to the top 25. People are looking at, okay, this has got potential to possibly be, you know, a late 7 o'clock game type deal. And because you look at this, the later slate, you got Penn State and Indiana on ABC. And you got on ESPN, you you got some other teams that are just not not up to this type of level. But no, somehow they get put at 12 o'clock. I just don't understand how the number two team in the nation that's looked possibly like the best team in the nation all year gets slated for a 12 o'clock slate two weeks in a row. I mean, Georgia just played Vanderbilt at noon last week. They're playing Arkansas at 12 this week, and CBS is deciding between picking Georgia and Auburn game, the Auburn game next week for 3.30, but obviously it's going to depend on who wins this game and the Alabama Ole Miss game. So, because those are the two games Ole Ole Miss versus Arkansas, and then Georgia versus Auburn is the game that's being decided. So Georgia has potential, if they don't get picked by CBS, to be at 12 o'clock Eastern time, three weeks in a row, the number two team in the nation. I want you to think about it for one second. When have you ever seen the number two team in the nation get slated at 12 o'clock, three weeks in a row? Never. If this was Alabama, they would not be at three. I mean, twelve o'clock noon for this type of game. They would have moved it midweek for this. It's just, it's just absolutely crazy to me. I don't know what they were thinking. They got game day there this week, and 
This game easily could have been moved to the 7 o'clock slot, that 7.30 slot. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. I don't understand it. We'll never understand it. They're missing out on a perfect opportunity to have a night game there in Athens, really have the type of atmosphere that you really want. And obviously, it's still going to be a good atmosphere. It is a top-10 matchup with a lot of implications for this nationally, uh, and not just in the SEC, but nationally as a whole. And for this, obviously talking about, let's talk about Arkansas to get started out. Arkansas has looked good this year. They have been at a level that nobody predicted they would be at at this point under Sam Pittman in year two. They go from, it was rough last year. I think they only won three games last year total, possibly two. I can't remember exactly what it was, but then they go this year. They're 4-0. and They've beat Texas, which has been in and out of the top 25, and you've beaten Texas A&M, which was ranked number seven last week, which a lot of people thought was going to beat Arkansas. So here you are. Arkansas sits at number eight now. They've done a good job starting this year. Their offense has looked much improved. Their running, their running ability has been great. KJ Jefferson at the quarterback spot has been great for them as well. The receivers have done a good job defensively. They've been really good, really sound. Good job at tackling. So overall, Sam Pittman has just done a phenomenal job there in Arkansas. And if you listen to me over the last couple of weeks, I've really liked Arkansas and how they've looked with the type of physicality that they play with, the type of energy that they play with, and the buy-in mentality that they played with under Sam Pittman and that's why I picked them last week to go in and beat A&M by by 10 points they ended up beating them by a little bit more than that but I had them beating A&M because I didn't feel like A&M was that good of a team and obviously was proven correctly they didn't have the offense just like I didn't think they were and that's a credit to Arkansas but it's also a diss at A&M because we all knew that their offense was not very good in the first place so Moving on from there, so you, that's what Arkansas is looking like this year, and they're looking to go into Athens against the number two team in the country, which a lot of people have thought has looked like the best team in the country this year. And for Georgia, your defense is obviously the best in the nation. There's no question about it. And I know some people are pointing at the Clemson game now, looking at it, where Clemson's offense has struggled all year, and people are saying, okay, that game really doesn't really count for Georgia. They just didn't, you know... People, you can't count that up as a good win. Okay, so you still throw it out, but they've still only given up 23 points in four games all year. They've given up one total defensive touchdown. That is absolutely insane. It doesn't matter who you're playing. I go back to the point with my point with Alabama. They're giving up two touchdowns a game against teams like Mercer and uh, Southern Miss. You don't have that with Georgia. They're blanking teams. Last week they go 62-0 and versus Vanderbilt. You have them only giving up seven points, and it was off of a, well, it was off of a offensive pick six in the game against UAB. So, I mean, you're just giving a couple of games where they've given up some points. The the South Carolina game, they gave up a couple of points. That, I mean, that was their one defensive touchdown that they gave up. So, you're looking at a defense that has not given up any points all year. It doesn't matter who they've played. And then you got an offense that has slowly gotten better each and every week. And you're getting to the point now where you're putting up on 62. I know it's Vandy, but, I mean, you see they put up 56 against a good a good team that people don't like to, like to talk about against a good UAB team that a lot of people expect to win their their conference where they're at. A South Carolina team that was expected to have an okay defense, and they just absolutely demolished them. So the offense has gotten better each and every week. Like I said, go by eye test. Georgia has looked like, to me, the top team in the country. So you can say they haven't played anybody. You can go down Arkansas' schedule and look, and the only team that it really looks like they've played is Texas because I don't think Texas A&M is even as good as Texas is this year. Um, so about the only good team they played is Texas, and they took care of them. That's credit to Arkansas's defense. Like I said, they got a good defense, but this is a different type of team that Arkansas is running into in Athens, and 
For me, though, this game is going, it was going to be which team can obviously make big plays, can keep their defense off the field type of deal. But for me now, this game is really going to come down to how um, how good is JT Daniels going to be for Georgia. And well, just a, well on both sides as well. You look at KJ Jefferson for Arkansas, who got injured last week in the second half against Texas A&M. How, how, what level of player are these quarterbacks going to be at? Are they going to be at 100%? Are they going to be at 80 night? We don't know. Now they got JT Daniels listed as questionable game time decision for tomorrow against Arkansas. And obviously that could just be a, oh, we're trying to throw you off a little bit thing. I, I don't know. We won't know until game time hits. KJ Jefferson is expected to be available for this game and ready to go. So if you're Arkansas, that sounds good to you. But if for Georgia, I think it really is just going to come down to how is JT Daniels going to be for this game because we know their offense has been at another level no matter who they've played when JT Daniels has been available they've been able to move the ball they've been able to be explosive with JT Daniels in the game so if JT Daniels is not there obviously we know they're going to go with the backup Stetson Bennett who me you can't really get a good read on this guy because one week he'll come in and he'll play really good you have week two against UAB where he just goes absolutely crazy. It goes for almost a perfect game, almost throws for 300 yards, five touchdowns, looks really good. And then you have a week where you have a week where he comes in first play of the game in week three against South Carolina and he throws an interception. I mean, he's he's been kind of up and down for me. He's got experience. He's got big game experience. I mean, he started against Alabama last year for, for Georgia. But I just don't know how he's going to do against this Arkansas defense. So, for me, this game really going to depend on that t- that that look. If JT Daniels is in, I feel like Georgia's got a very good chance of winning this game and walking out of here looking like the best team in the country. If he's not, to me, I still feel like Georgia's got the defense to win this game, but it makes it tougher. So, give you an idea of what I'm talking about right now. I got Georgia with JT Daniels favored to win this game, 31 to 13. I think Georgia's defense is that good. I still question how good KJ Jefferson is going to be because of his health this week. And if JT Daniels is healthy, I expect the dogs to really roll in this game. Being in a noon early game, I feel like the crowd's really going to be there for Georgia, and I feel like. Georgia's just going to be ready to go for this one. Kirby Smart's done a good job this year just with his team all around. Special teams has been great. Defense has been great. Offense has obviously looked better and has continued to get better. So for them, if JT Daniels is playing, expect them to play really good. If Stetson Bennett is starting for Georgia because of the JT Daniels injury, I think this is where you really got to look at stuff and how it's going to go because I think now you run the risk for Georgia of having a couple of turnovers from Stetson Bennett that can really give Arkansas some life and really keep them in this game and make it a real close game come fourth quarter. So that's that's really what I worry about. So I'm going to give you kind of two predictions here. Like I said, with JT Daniels, I got Georgia 31-13. Without JT Daniels, I, I think you can really expect to see this game be a like a 24-20 type game. So that's what I'm going to hold with with a 24-20 Georgia, <clears throat> Georgia win either way. I just think Georgia's defense is just going to be able to make a play when they need to. Even if JT Daniels is not there, now I may I may I may be wrong. Stetson Bennett could come out here and light the world on fire like he did against UAB, but from his past experience against big name teams, he just hasn't looked that great, and I don't expect him to look that great against this type of Arkansas defense. So, for me, I, th- I think that's the the way I'm looking at it with these with the with those two factors playing in. But this is a big matchup 
for both teams. If Arkansas can win win this, they put themselves as probably the number two contender, I would say, in the in the West, depending on who wins this game and the Alabama Ole Miss game. And it's you're setting up a huge matchup between them and Ole Miss next week. And you probably, if you're Arkansas win this game, you're looking at yourself probably jumping up to number six or number five. So you're sitting in a really good spot where you would like to be sitting in going into the meteor schedule. And if you're Georgia, if you win this game, depending on obviously what happens with Alabama and Ole Miss, you have a chance to be at number one. But even if you win this game and you do it convincingly, like I think they have the potential to do with JT Daniels in there, you obviously solidify a lot of people that you're the best team in the country. And that's just my way of thinking on it. Um, if Georgia ends up winning this game, which I think they will either way. But obviously it's college football. I can come up here and tell you all this stuff and then something happens and this could all go out the window. That's just how college football is. That's the way we, you know, we've grown accustomed to college football. That's why we love college football. It's unpredictable. You can try to predict it as best as possible, break it down as best as possible. But obviously anything can change at any given time. Momentum can swing like crazy from one way to the other. You just have no idea. And that's what's so enjoyable about it. So, but that's what I got for you today. If you're looking to see what I, you know, what my preview and prediction is, and you don't want to listen or don't want to go through all this each and every part of the day trying to see what the matchup is or what time, you can obviously go to our website at therevolutionsports.com and watch. Go to our article section and look at the the week five preview and prediction article, and it just be a kind of a summary of what we just talked about here in the podcast. That way, you don't have to go through and try to listen to each individual thing throughout the day right before the matchup but that's a good way to go uh to look at that type of stuff and if you just want alerts on what's going on with the game final game scores upset alerts that type of stuff we'll have you covered on our social media pages which you can find off our website once again that's therevolutionsports.com find us there you can just go to the facebook twitter instagram links all those all those links right there and be able to just see what all the alerts are, what the final scores are from these big matchups. That way you can be updated throughout the day and don't have to worry about it. But with that said, thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please make sure to share it with other people that are looking for this type of content and help us continue to grow into what we want to be able to do as an organization. But with that said, enjoy your college football Saturday, and we'll see you in Monday's podcast.